0: The Chicago Bears are virtually out of the playoffs and don't really have that much more to play for as a team. But individually, there's still a lot at stake for these guys and a lot for us to tune in and watch every Sunday. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter, at CoxSports1. You can find Locked On Bears on all of your favorite social media platforms and on YouTube, where you can find all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use our promo code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. On the show today, we look for reasons why this Bears team is still worth watching. Why not just give up and call it a season as a Chicago Bears fan? We'll look at some of the young players on both sides of the ball that are still exciting to watch to keep tabs on. We'll look at everything that's still at stake for Justin Fields and his future, for Luke Getzey and his future, for Matt Eberflus, the coaching staff as a whole, and even a couple of special teams questions in there as well. A lot to look at across this roster on both sides of the ball, up and down the organization. But it shouldn't take a lot of explaining to understand that like Justin Fields' last three games of this regular season mean a lot. Every indication we get publicly is that the Bears are still evaluating. Is Justin Fields our guy for 2024 and beyond? Or should we trade him, move on from him, and draft a quarterback with the number one overall pick in the 2024 NFL draft? It's the same conversation about Luke Getzey and, and Matt Iberflus on the coaching staff as, as movie figures. But I, I think it's especially interesting for Justin Fields because not only is he playing for the Chicago Bears and they're evaluating what he does over these last 3 games but also 31 other teams. Well, maybe not 31 other teams. I'm sure the Kansas City Chiefs are not looking at Justin Fields, but however many other quarterback needy teams there might be out there that could be interested in Justin Fields. And perhaps at some point we'll have a we'll go in more specifically a conversation about which teams that could be and exactly how many there are. But I think you can find at least one in every division. In the NFL, I mean, obviously they're not going to trade him to an NFC North team, but you look across the league, there's a, there's a solid conglomerate of teams that should be interested in Justin Fields if he becomes available from the Chicago Bears. Now, obviously, depending on the price and what the situation the teams are in and what other quarterback solutions they pursue, but right there will be a market for Justin Fields if the Bears move on from him. And so what he does over these last three games can either prove to the Chicago Bears that he belongs as their starting quarterback or can prove to one of these other teams that, hey, I belong as your starting quarterback and I'm worth going out and trading for. You know, like I've seen some sort of fringe suggestions that maybe, you know, if the Bears decide already that, hey, we're going to trade Justin Fields, that they should just sit him down and play Tyson Bagent for the final three games so that Fields doesn't get hurt and risk, you know, being injured and not then being very tradable this offseason. And like, I get that in like a fantasy football Madden franchise mode kind of world, but in the 2023 modern real life NFL, obviously Justin Fields wants to be out there and play and isn't going to just choose to sit down, but then be Matt Eberflus and Luke Getzy are trying to keep their jobs. So they need the best quarterback to help them be successful, which they obviously see as Justin Fields and Justin Fields also can elevate his trade value and his personal value in the NFL by playing well over these final three games. So there's not really a scenario here where it makes sense for any of the involved parties to have Justin Fields sit down and play Tyson Bajan for the remainder of the season. It makes it that much more reason for us to watch because it's fun to watch Justin Fields play these games. I mean, this is what we talked about last season, that even when the team was 3-14 and 14 or whatever that record was last season, down the stretch you still tune in to see what kind of magical plays Justin Fields might pull out. He's a fun player to watch, winning or losing. So let's enjoy three more fun, at a minimum, three more fun games of Justin Fields, and with the chance that might be the last three fun games of Justin Fields you'll get to watch in a Chicago Bears uniform. We'll see, but it makes it all the more worth tuning in on that side of the ball. Also, a couple other guys on offense that I certainly want to keep tabs on that can earn themselves a lot of leeway. In these final three games, how about Roshon Johnson at running back? Is he the guy who can take over as the number one running back next year? You know, is he already ready to be the overall lead back, or is he going to look like a guy over the final three games that you know you still need to have in in a rotation there in the backfield? He certainly was the most productive against the Cleveland Browns, but you know the Bears have a couple other running backs ahead of him. Still have Khalil Herbert under contract next season, but can can Johnson fully supplant? Foreman or can fully supplant Herbert as running back one, or how will that play out over the final three games of the season? Similar kind of question for me with with Braxton Jones at left tackle. Obviously, had a tough time with Miles Garrett. Every left tackle has a tough time with Miles Garrett. I'm not necessarily going to hold that against Braxton Jones too hard, but three more games to say, okay, are you the cornerstone left tackle? Or if the Bears are sitting there at the fifth overall pick and Joe Alt or Olu, the, the Penn State left tackle, you know, can can Braxton Jones show over these final three games whether left tackle is or isn't a need? Or more or less like is or isn't an upgradable position? Because I think it's tough when it's best player available in the draft. Is he so good that you're going to pass on a top five left tackle? I don't know. But he can go a long way in these final three games to really solidifying his spot on this Chicago Bears offensive line. I'd also like to see if Darnell Mooney can bounce back at all after it feels like feels like a close to rock bottom against the Browns in this game. Three more games left. to. I don't know if there's a lot he can do to remain a Chicago Bear and get another contract from this team next season, but certainly as an upcoming free agent, he's got to try and make himself some money. And, you know, Tyler Scott had his best game of the season or his, one of his most productive games of the season, at least last week against the Browns with the big 30-yard play at the end of that game. Can he show us where he fits in this wide receiver rotation moving forward. It was his career best three catches for 49 yards in that game. No one's expecting Tyler Scott to look like, oh, he's going to be the number two receiver next year. No. But is he a guy who can be a number three or is he a number four, number five who occasionally rotates in? Three more games for him to kind of grow into a potentially bigger role with an eye to the future on what he can do in this Chicago Bears offense. I think it's a similar story for this Bears defense. Some Rookie guys or younger players that you want to see how they can finish this year strong. Some second-year guys that maybe haven't had that big leap forward, but you want to see where they go from here. And then a couple other guys at positions that will be needs this offseason, and we got to figure out who belongs and who's on their way out. Plus, you know, Matty Berflus coaching the defense for his job as well. That's next on Locked on Bears. This episode of Locked on Bears is brought to you by our friends at Picks the better way to do daily fantasy sports because prize picks puts you in complete control. Unlike the other daily fantasy platforms where you're setting a lineup and you're going up against a thousand other people's lineups with prize picks. It's just you versus the projections available. You pick two to six players and whether they'll perform better or worse than their prize picks projection. Like this week against the Cardinals, Cole Komet, 37 and a half receiving yards, DJ Moore 65 and a half receiving yards. You pick more or less you can win up to 25 times your money just by utilizing your football knowledge. It's a lot of fun. You play sports beyond football as well across your sporting landscape, all with our friends at Prize Picks. Try it for yourself. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use our promo code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. It's an extra hundred bucks for free to play with at pricepicks.com slash locked on NFL promo code locked on NFL. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports. Made easy. Obviously, a lot of eyes are on this Bears offense to wrap up the season. A lot of scrutiny on that side of the ball because we've more or less seen this Bears defense be good consistently for the last eight-ish weeks. At least good consistently up until the final four minutes of the fourth quarter. But like, generally speaking, more often than not, playing well. Which is more than we've been able to say about this Bears offense. So, like, I think this Bears defense has a little bit less to prove collectively down the stretch to end this season, but definitely some specific positions and individual players that to me feel like a lot to tune in for for us at home watching how they do in these final three games. Like, first and foremost, your second round picks on the defensive line, I guess your second and third round picks on the defensive line Jervon Dexter and Zach Pickens. It seems like every week, we see a few Jervon Dexter flashes, making plays certainly as a pass rusher, getting some disruption into the backfield this past week. Another sack on the quarterback, another hurry in there. Let's see if he can keep building on that. Can he rack up a couple more? Can he do it a little bit more frequently, a little more consistently? Can he look like a guy who is ready to start in 2024? Because, I mean, Justin Jones is set to be a free agent. Ryan Poles has always raved about Justin Jones, Matt Eberflus. Has spoken highly about Justin Jones, so but if I is gone, I mean that changes the equation a little bit there. But like they've liked Justin Jones, but you draft you draft Gervon Dexter in the second round with the idea that eventually he'll become a starter. Maybe it doesn't have to be a starter by year two, but he's playing well. So like these final three games can kind of be that on-ramp. Like, can he can he play like a starter for three final games? Can he get maybe even more snaps in the rotation there? That would be fun to watch. Zach Pickens, on the other hand, has not had the same flashes as Gervon Dexter. And I think he feels more quote unquote disappointing as a comparison there. But let's not forget he was selected later for a reason. He wasn't quite held up to the same caliber of player. And obviously they have different skill sets and guys develop at different rates. Like to me, I'm not concerned. I'm not, you know, I'm not worried per se about Zach Pickens, you know, being a bust or anything just yet. I think patience was understood going into this process and is still necessary. I don't think we're ready to have the is Pickens ready to start next season conversation just yet, but if he can finish these final three games strong, maybe you feel a little bit better about you know your defensive tackle depth and you can say, okay, maybe you go Billings-Dexter as your starters with Pickens as the top backup and then you don't need to invest a lot in another defensive tackle and you can just kind of roll with those three and another depth player. Like I'm not there right now, but three more games from Zach Pickens. If he can start to flash a little bit more like we've seen from Javon Dexter up to this point, that can go a long way for this Chicago Bears defensive line. I, I really think this defensive line minus Montez Sweat is really what I'm going to be paying closest attention to defensively over the final three games of the season. Like we know how great Montez Sweat is. Yes, we know that Unique Ngakwe, now on injured reserve, will be a free agent. Not really expecting him back on a you know a long term contract extension. That was kind of a one year mercenary style rental, and so. High up on the Bears team needs this offseason will be more pass rushers, more on that defensive line. And right now, you know, it's Sweat Billings, Justin Jones and Demarcus Walker. Jones is a free agent. Billings and Walker are back under contract. I can't help but wonder maybe if there's a possibility that Demarcus Walker could be one and done potentially on this Bears defensive line. Like he hasn't been bad per se but he hasn't been a high-impact guy to me, right? He's been very quiet for the vast majority of the season, clearly got better and has shown an improvement in terms of production since Montez Sweat has gotten in there, which is sort of expected, and you might think so. But still, it's been two sacks this season from Walker, who was a seven-sack guy last season and has kind of reverted back more towards the guy that thought he might be. But the thing is about DeMarcus Walker's contract, if they keep him, they pay him eight, eight and a half million dollars. If they cut him, they'll save $4 million. So about, you know, uh, the about 50% savings. If if you cut him there, there would be about four and some change in dead money. He has a cuttable contract. It's a question of whether or not the bears would want to, I would assume given that the bears will have plenty of cap space, they're not going to be in a hurry to cut DeMarcus Walker. But if you just feel you know, especially if you get a new defensive coaching staff in there, a new defensive scheme, maybe if they don't feel like he's the right fit in whatever scheme that might be. I mean, I, I just want to, I'm not saying I predict he will be cut, but I do think it's more of a chance than you might have thought of. Like, he's cuttable. It's in the back pocket as a possibility. But, like, if he p- keeps playing well over these final three games and adds another couple sacks, or at least, you know, more consistent pressure and quarterback hurries and that kind of thing, like, you got one on Joe Flacco, played well in that game. His last four games, he's had 15 pressures. Like, he's been playing better as of late. If he can keep riding that out, can he prove to you that, okay, he deserves to be that starter opposite Montez Sweat next year? Or if he doesn't, you say, okay, he's a really good number three, but we got to go get another starter. You know, got to draft one early, got to find one in free agency or whatever it might be. Got to get another top-end pass rusher, like how Walker plays. And you can kind of throw Rasheem Green in that conversation, now Dominic Robinson back in the rotation. Like how the pass rushers not named Montez Sweat perform will show us how big of a need the rest of the defensive line and pass rush is this upcoming offseason. To me, it still feels right now like a pretty significant need. If guys can really turn it on, maybe I feel like there's can build some confidence there, and it's not as big of a need, but it's going to be a pretty high priority in a draft that doesn't have an elite pass rusher at the top of the first round, but might have some good depth, especially if the Bears end up trading down from either or both of their first-round picks. The other thing defensively, then, that you got to keep an eye on is the young guys in the secondary, particularly the young cornerbacks. I want to see if they can finish strong. We talked about it a little bit on yesterday's podcast. Kyler Gordon, to me, has been underwhelming this season, has been a little bit, dare I say, disappointing this season. You know, he was playing so well during training camp preseason and felt like he was going to take a step forward, and we haven't really seen that step forward. Like, I don't think he's been bad. He's just been kind of an average slot cornerback, so kind of curious if he can do a little bit more over these final three games and build up some of that confidence in him, same thing with Tyreek Stevenson and Terrell Smith at the other cornerback spot. Like we don't know whether Jalen Johnson will be back next season. He is set to be a free agent as of today. Probably you'd think they might franchise tag him, but there's a chance he could just walk. And then if he walks, you know, do you, do you start Terrell Smith and Domin and, and Tyreek Stevenson on the outsides and leave Gordon in the slot and just roll with your young guys? Do you move Gordon back to the outside and try and move Stevenson or Smith into the slot? Do you bring in a new slot cornerback or do you bring in a new outside cornerback? Like how these young cornerbacks play may have some influence on how eager the Bears might be to move on from Jalen Johnson or how desperately they might feel like they have to pay Jalen Johnson if how they feel about the evaluation of their young guys. Like we've seen really high end plays from Tyreek Stevenson and we've seen some really bad plays from Tyreek Stevenson and. Terrell Smith has been a little bit more in the middle. We haven't seen as high of highs, but maybe not as low of lows either. And Gordon's been up and down, too. Like, three strong games to finish this out can go a long way towards feeling like, OK, the youth in the secondary is set. Bring back Jalen Johnson. You're really, really set across the board there. And honestly, like, there's a question here about Eddie Jackson, too, as far as whether he'll be back in 2024. I don't know if the, the final three games of the season will sway that either way. It's a matter of contract number which is expensive versus age versus what you'd think your option is to replace him. But that's another storyline in the secondary that we'll have to keep tabs on here moving forward. But bigger picture, this all sort of wrinkles back to the coaching staff for Matt Eberflus for Luke Getze. And there's even a couple of special teams things that I think are worth watching too that I want to get in on as we continue our Locked On Bears reasons to keep watching this season. Next on Locked On Bears. This episode of Locked On Bears is brought to you by GameTime, the best way to get tickets for all of your favorite live events, whether it's concerts, theater shows, comedy, you name it, all your favorite live sports as well are there on GameTime with the best prices you can find and killer last-minute deals. Looking at Bears Cardinals tickets this Sunday at 3.30, cheapest tickets right now have gone down. You can get tickets into Soldier Field for $45 a piece. You don't see Bears tickets go this cheap ever. So if you want to get to a game Download the GameTime app and use our promo code to save $20. I mean, it's it's great. You can see your view from your seat right in the app, and they've got a lowest price guarantee. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use our promo code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem our code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. A lot is at stake for Matt Eberflus and for Luke Getze over these final three games to I guess for Getze to prove to Eberflus and Poles and for Eberflus to prove to Poles that they belong back as coaches on the Chicago Bears sideline in 2024. Like for Matt Eberflus, it's it's the it's the defense as a whole. But to some extent, the performance of the offense, I mean, can he fully separate himself from the performance of the offense? You know, can he fully say, ah, man, the offense was bad, but, oh, that's not my fault. Just fire Luke Getze, the offense will be fine. Like, it depends on if they're winning or losing games, right? Like, I think there's a connection there where if Matt Iberflus' defense plays great and carries the Bears to a win over the Cardinals and maybe carries the Bears to a win over the Falcons and maybe the Packers in there, but, but like, the offense sputters, but, you know, the Bears win these games 17-13, to 13 you know, 20 to 14, 16 to 10, where your offense still isn't consistently winning, you know, scoring points enough, but your defense is just playing so well that you're still able to win these games. Then I think Matt Eberflus has a case there to be like, hey, I'm doing everything that I can here, but it's my offensive coordinator that's holding us back. Fire him, I need to fire him, my bad. We'll get a new offensive coordinator, but keep me. Whereas, like, if if the offense is struggling and you're not winning games and it feels like, man, this is like an organizational coaching staff philosophy of being too conservative in these moments and blowing leads and not going after teams in that way, like, then some of the offensive issues start to fall back on the head coach as a philosophical thing and a coaching staff decisions on when to go for it on fourth downs and when to take field goals instead of going for touchdowns. So Iberhus is not not insulated from the offensive issues, but certainly more of that falls on Luke Getze. Like, can Luke Getze over these final three games, like, no one's expecting him to totally overhaul the whole offense and unveil some grand system in three games that will totally save his job. But like, can he find some answers? Can he find some consistency? Because like, we've seen moments of it. Certainly the two lines games are the two best offensive performance we've seen. We've seen drives where the bears just march down the field and the play calls seem to build off each other's, you know, the, the play actions look like the running play. It's hard for defense to guess. You get Justin Fields running in direct run plays and then, you know, the, the backs get going. And like, it's not, it's nothing, you know, it's not all trick plays. It's nothing fancy. It's just like, it works. It makes sense. It builds off of each other. Like, can they do that more? Can they sustain that more? Can they do that against teams that are not the Detroit Lions? And I guess like the Broncos um two months ago and the Commanders two months ago. But like, can Luke Getzee string together like three games of the offense playing well? Doesn't need to be 45 points, but can you hit... Twenty every game can you hit 24 every game of of offense and not just pick sixes helping you get points on the board like can this offense start to look like an offense like a cohesive offense can the play calling put your playmakers in position to help you win these games can you not have dj Moore be a decoy on third down or off the field on third down can you not dial up the slot fade on third down like can we not have these fourth and one outside run play or, or, or the or the or the uh the jet sweeps where your offensive tackle is lined up over away from Miles Garrett. So it tells the whole defense, hey, we're gonna run that direction. And when they fake when they show the jet motion, everyone knows the jet sweep and they tackle him for a loss. Like stuff like that where it's just you look at it, it's like play calling and scheme and game plan, decision making is what's hurting this offense in so many situations. Like, can Getze remove that? Like it's one thing if it's just drop pass from Robert Tanyan or drop pass from Darnell Mooney or drop pass from Tyler Scott. And you're like, oh, man, the play call was perfect. Everything was perfect. But that one player messed it up. And that's why your offense keeps failing. That happened a couple of times against the Browns, obviously. But a lot of the rest of the offensive failures have not just been, oh, man, one guy messed up. One guy wasn't good enough. It's like, no, no one's open. I just saw the stat that this season, Justin Fields receivers have the lowest average separation of any quarterbacks receivers in the NFL this season. And to me, that's not purely just a talent problem. That's a scheme play calling route concept problem as well, how they're utilizing these receivers. So like Getzi needs to find answers. Iberflus needs to see his team play hard for him through all three games, not quit now that they're out of the playoffs, not quit now that there's not really that much stakes attached. Like can guys really play like they care for the final three games of the season, find their own sort of internal reason as to why they play football, why they put their body on the line, and why you know it's worth it to them to be out there playing. Because we just saw up in Green Bay, the Packers linebacker Devondre Campbell had a tweet yesterday basically saying, like, why am I putting my body on the line when we're not playing hard and stuff and kind of complaining about, not directly, but about his defensive coordinator? Like, there's some quit happening up there, at least vocalized up there. The Bears, like for Matt Eberflus, you can't have that happen if you want to save your job. Like, it's not going to save Joe Barry's job at this point. But Matt Eberflus can't afford that if he wants to try and save his job there. So uh, I think there's a really a lot to watch for with how this team responds to these coaches over the final three games of the season. And I'll throw a couple of quick special teams notes in there as well. We saw Trent Taylor muff two punts against the Browns. Can the Bears find a punt returner over these final three games that can hold on to the punt? Like, can we see Valus Jones back there again just to see if there's been some progress? Can we get a punt return answer in these three games? Or is it just, eh, Trent Taylor made a couple mistakes move on in the next offseason and look for another punt returner again. I'm curious for that. And Trenton Gill has been, at best, a below-average punter this season. He's got three games of cold-weather football to try and punt his way to save his job or at least limit the amount of competition he might face this upcoming offseason. So some special teams questions there as well. A A lot to still tune in for in these final games of this Bears regular season. And those are all reasons to keep tuning in to the Locked On Bears podcast. We're here for you five days a week, wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. So make sure you hit that subscribe button to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Of course, even when the regular season is done, we won't be going anywhere. We will be here for you all throughout the offseason to cover free agency, coaching change, perhaps, the draft, maybe quarterback situation. There's a lot. It's gonna be a lot. It's gonna be a long offseason. And you know what? You're gonna miss football. When it's gone, even though the Bears are losing and not very good. And then, you know, back to same old, same old. Like, remember that feeling in July when, God, you would do anything for football to be on Sunday? Like, remember that when it's Bears-Cardinals and it's a miserable game on Sunday? Because I'd much rather have a low-quality Bears-Cardinals game than no football on my TVs on Sunday. So enjoy that. Come on back for another Lockdown Bears tomorrow for Crossover Thursday with Alex Clancy from Lockdown Cardinals to get your local scoop on what's going on with the Cardinals. And of course, I hope that as a result, you find a little bit of time to bear down.